0: Hey y'all, it's Ashley and welcome back to another episode of Simply Put. Last week on Simply More, we talked about the importance of networking when it comes to causes and in order to extend your reach and find the people that you need to build your community. Today, we've got Jordan back again to talk about the differences in how the two of us network based on our individual purposes within our platform. I know that I talk about Jordan a lot. I talk about them a lot in the sense of being my daughter's guide parent and their importance in our lives because of that. I talk about them a lot because they are an English professor, and the importance of um, of teaching and teaching history properly and English literature as a whole and the racism and bigotry that hides within the literature that we teach to our students both in grade school and at a collegiate level alike and the importance of sitting down and talking about and acknowledging that as well as moving away from some of those classics because if um if stuff from the 90s can be on classic radio, then stuff from the 90s can be, can, can be considered um, appropriate books to be within the classroom. I also talk about them as my best friend. And I think that our dynamic as best friends has been what we featured most. Everything else is secondary and we have put our relationship in the forefront of the conversations. However, um, Jordan is also a an influencer. They're also an actual influencer, a mini celebrity, um, and have rose to fame as a political. Cosplayer on TikTok, uh, specifically as Donald Trump. Since they did the Donald Trump routine within the last election cycle, they've also done Ivanka Trump and Sarah Huckabee Sanders and a few other people. They've branched from doing just politics into um, Dolly Parton and Reba McIntyre, and the list goes on and on. But since then, Um, Their original works, they've amassed almost a million followers. Their tiny face looks have been remade by uh, famous drag queen Trixie Mattel not that long ago. They've been featured in articles ranging from random Yahoo News stories all the way to Billboard 100 lists and recognition um, from CMT. So... They are at a very different level of influencer than I am. However, even though I'm sitting here with my tiny platform of less than 2,000 people across all of my social media platforms somehow we're both influencers in our own right. So we're going to talk a little bit about what we each did differently and how the way our audience differs ends up with us having a similar reach and why being deliberate in what that reach is matters. So let's jump right in. Jordan, thanks again for carving out time in your
1: life for me. Good morning. Thanks for having me again. My life sounds a little bit like a pumpkin. Oh, yeah? Uh (laughs) (laughs)
0: uh-huh okay um let's uh, jump right back in here so both of us have kind of found our places within social media influencing by accident um I know that yours was probably a little bit more deliberate than mine but neither one of us necessarily like being around lots of people but we've been purposefully networking for probably the majority of our lives basically at least since we were teenagers since that's essentially how we met um, do you have any specific tips or tricks that you use in your personal networking versus your online spaces? Because you are you're the same person in all of them, but that requires different parts of you, which requires different people.
1: Sure. Um, I think that for me, uh, especially with having a really large online presence, I have to create some sort of distinction between my personal life and um, what I'm willing to um, show online to you know hundreds of thousands of people so a lot of my personal connections i would say are um a little more i don't want to say private but i I try to keep my my real life if you want to call it that um kind of separate from what i do online for social media one for for the the ability to kind of protect myself because i am from a marginalized community so There is sort of that element of what I'm willing to divulge and what I feel like I need to divulge to um, sort of, you know, continue to convey whatever message it is that I'm trying to convey, but also to um, protect my own self and to protect, um, you know, my own interests at the same time. So for the personal life, it's really a matter of um, finding what is important in, in networking with someone and what I can do with it um, professionally or personally that, um, is useful for me, if that makes sense.
0: Totally. Um, for me, I try to remember specifically because I don't have to be around people, especially now during COVID, I'm not traveling for work and stuff. So I'm a little bit out of practice. So I try to just remember that nobody actually has to like me. Um, networking isn't about making friends. We just have to find some overlapping goals and be able to fill a void within each other's spaces. I know you and I both keep people around professionally that we don't like personally, and I'm sure that we are in that same boat with other people. I would like to think that you like me, but you know, <laughs> at the same time, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if if you didn't. Yes, I would. But, um, yeah, I
1: think you'd be a little surprised.
0: <laughs> I would, because you have- <laughs> you have uh, joined our family. But so in networking situations, because you have such a large following, what do you do when you're nervous?
1: Gosh, so I mean, I have generalized anxiety disorder. So um, having anxiety and nervousness is like, constant for me. So (laughs) um, one way that I really try to kind of combat that is, I like, sometimes I just have to talk myself up and remind myself that uh, if I don't try, if I don't do anything, then I can't, you know, push forward and overcome any challenges that are in my way because I'm not giving myself the opportunity to do that. So um, I kind of have to really talk myself up and also just, like, get myself in a good headspace. Uh, So that requires me to take care of myself a little bit better I've been really trying to work on that and I'm you know that's still a journey for me but just taking care of myself in general uh I think is a really great way to help me to overcome that kind of nervousness
0: mm-hmm. um yeah totally and I'm super proud of you for like how hard you've been working to overcome all of that um, Thank you. it sucks and I know it sucks and working on yourself is never easy, but it's always something that's really brave when I hear people talk about it. Um, well, thank so you for me, when I, uh, because I also have anxiety, specifically <laughs> social anxiety, um, I make really conservative goals. A lot of my networking outside of online spaces involves very specifically um, being in a room with a whole bunch of professionals that I don't feel like I belong in while they listen to me speak. Um, And that is, that is, that is something else. Um, And just reminding myself that I belong there just as much as they do. And if I'm not somebody who's speaking, or if my work is not um, something that is being uh, referenced or displayed at the time, sometimes you just have to have to create small goals for yourself so when I first started doing stuff like this actually way back when I used to manage a tea shop we were invited to a whole bunch of things down our main street and one of them was an art gallery opening for one of the photographers for Mumford and Sons and at the time I really really loved Mumford and Sons and my goal because I needed to network for business purposes was to uh talk to the photographer it didn't have to be about anything specific I just needed to reach out and connect uh my face to um, to being a part of the street. Sometimes I just want to. Okay, my goal is to talk to somebody about something. That could be as simple as we went to the zoo the other day, and the person behind the um, the ticket counter had like mushroom earrings. And I thought they were super cute. So I was like, Oh my gosh, like, I really like your earrings. And that was, that was something practicing little tiny bits of social interaction throughout your normal events, even so that when it comes time to be in a professional setting or in a per- a setting where I feel like I have to be on uh, rather than cussing like a sailor and telling everybody to fuck off, um, <laughs> it's, it's normal for me to use that as an in for a conversation. Um, sometimes it means just engaging with one other person who's there and not even talking to the keynote speaker or not asking questions or not doing anything to be like, oh, hey, like I'm a human and you should remember me because all people can be important all people can be useful to the cause especially in something like that because you're all there for the same reason to hear that person whether you're all on the sides uh on the same side of what they're talking about is up for grabs but you're all there to hear that person so anything can be seen as a networking opportunity and tiny goals that all of them make the bigger goals more manageable, at least for me. Like complimenting somebody's earrings is very different than coming up with a um, a question that has been preformulated, but is still relevant by the end of the presentation to go up and talk to somebody about. But doing one makes doing the other one easier.
1: I like that idea a lot.
0: I'm, I'm very big on like breaking things up into little manageable steps because sometimes you're right. Like sometimes the main thing is just, okay, my goal is to make it to that event. It's to, to just go to this thing that I was invited to or that I had already said that I was going to or that would be good for me to network at or good for me to learn from. Sometimes the way that things are right now and even the way that things are when it's not right now, I did not change that much about myself because of COVID. um, I just got more comfortable doing what I already did. But the sometimes it's just leaving the house and going and being there and being present. Um, Sometimes it's just going and being there and thinking about something completely different. Many goals are important in making sure that those are manageable. There is no goal that is too small to be worthy of, of trying to do, especially when you're trying to build your community, because the next time you went, the first time you didn't participate. Okay, the next time you're going and you're seeing people that you recognize, and then it may be a little bit easier to compliment somebody's dress or earrings or shoes or whatever, genuinely, like don't say people's stuff is nice if it's not nice. Uh, don't be that person. But um, it makes getting to those goals easier and then you're building a familiarity with the space and with the people. And, um, and that for me and my anxiety is, is a little bit better. Um, but in some ways, because of the differences in our content, my following can and, and should, because of what my content is, be a lot less forgiving than yours but your missteps will be more public. So, um, how do you handle those situations when they come up, or if they were to come up professionally versus personally?
1: Uh, as far as missteps, professionally and yes. personally, um, yeah. well, I would say that, like you said, for social media, there is a little bit of that idea that, um, you know, with cancel the the whole idea of cancel culture, like you see this example all the time happening where somebody gets canceled for something. And then a month later, they are back to doing the same thing or people have forgotten about it because they're just so inundated with information on social media. But I think it's really important for like the ethics behind, like the ethos behind um, presenting yourself online and presenting a persona or presenting yourself um, as you are requires you to have some level of self-awareness. And this is, I mean, professionally too, you have to have that level of self-awareness to be willing to um, see the mistakes that you're making and accept that you are not perfect. And sometimes that's harder than others, but at the end of the day, like if somebody's going to call you out, you can block them and just pretend it didn't happen, or you can kind of look inward and see what people are trying to convey to you in order to, you know, not make that same mistake again. And I think professionally that uh, can kind of be the same thing. Um, If I make a mistake in the workplace or if I, you know, misspeak, uh, I'm going to probably pour over that (laughs) with my anxiety for a long time. And in order for me to get past that, I have to communicate with the people around me and the people who it might have impacted and, not necessarily grovel or, you know, apologize profusely, but identify, you know, whatever the mistake is and uh, acknowledge what needs to be done in order to, you know, move forward and avoid making that same mistake.
0: Okay. Um, We've talked about in the past, the times that like I have called you out. Uh, Which I understand is not necessarily the same thing as cancel culture, which I would just like to call holding people accountable. Yes, yes,
1: that's a great great way to describe it. (laughs)
0: Um, but, But as far as, like, personally goes, because I know that on my tiny little platform, because it is as small as it is over here, when I start talking about something, it hits a lot of people. A lot of people a lot differently Mm -hmm. so because you're in my personal life and we have a friendship or whatever where like i will tell you hey like that's not cool or you'll be like i really think that you need to rethink this how do you how do you handle that coming from somebody that you know um
1: so first it's panic it's usually always panic first um but i think it's really important to do that emotional work kind of by yourself and not can like project that outward whenever you're responding to a situation like that. Um, So just taking a deep breath, taking time to really understand what the other person is saying and then responding. And if... You need to, you know, find additional information that helps you to come to even a better understanding. I think that's really important to to not um, get caught in your emotion, get caught in that sense of embarrassment. Because there's a lot of shame and embarrassment that comes with um, being held accountable sometimes. And that is not for you to project onto the people who are holding you accountable. And I think that's really important.
0: And I do mention that specifically, Um, I know that I've talked to you about it before, but I don't know if I've mentioned it here, as members of the LGBTQ community, but also as a Black queer versus a very white anything, Mm -hmm. um, the cultures within themselves clash sometimes. And so it doesn't mean that if I'm pointing out something from my perspective, that is like not it and you you responding it doesn't necessarily mean that either one of us are wrong right and that is that is really important that's the difference between like a call out and a call in is neither one of us have to be wrong but we have to find the perspective within each other to be respectful within that space especially June um, was pride month and with the the discourse surrounding um, Stonewall and all of that. there are times when we we have to be more careful with the way that we interact and more intentional because intersectionality is important and the history of um, of like the white gays and mm-hmm. the black trans um, trans people is is rocky at best, and there's a lot of discourse continually surrounding that. So, understanding that sometimes we clash, not because we want to, or not because we don't see the other side, but because uh, history is a bitch and fucks us all up.
1: (laughs) Unfortunately so, but yeah, I mean, that intersectionality is really important because uh, if you're not considering the entirety of, you know, the community, then you're really not fighting for everyone's best interest. You're just fighting for your own.
0: Right. And for me, it costs me nothing to apologize.
1: Um,
0: It may cost me a little bit of pride, but I don't necessarily have that in that particular sense anyway. Like I pride myself on being a safe space for marginalized communities. And in order to be a safe space, I have to be able to accept that kind of criticism or calling. And that being said, like, if you're coming at me cussing, like we'll deal with that first. And then I will go through like, What you're talking about, but there are plenty of things that we have all done that are questionable or problematic, and it doesn't necessarily mean that at the time that we did them or said them, they were problematic. Um, We it could have been very progressive past like back then but now we're in our 30s and discourse surrounding a lot of controversial things has moved from there so I can look at Facebook memories and I can see something where I every year and it I cringe at it every year and (laughs) I don't delete it because I feel like every year I need that reminder to like get my shit together and really look at where we are in relation to everything else and it was when um when there was really heavy discourse around same-sex marriage and I was very newly in college and I went to an all-women's college I was surrounded by a lot of lesbians and so hearing some of them talk about how they didn't necessarily want to be married they wanted civil unions they wanted something of their own um to say like this is mine and I fought for this and and whatever and that very separate but equal thing and in my head I didn't I didn't have other like out gay friends. So I was like, okay, separate, but equal that works. Not thinking about the fact that I am a black person. Um, And so when conversations came to me and people would talk about like, how do you feel about same sex marriage? I'd be like, well, you know, they can have their own thing. It doesn't have to be called marriage. And it wasn't that I was intending to be hurtful and I didn't care one way or another. I was just trying to parrot the things that I had heard from that particular community. And now that my interaction with people of the LGBTQ community are are larger and I've kind of grown into myself and realized that those were just really conservative people. And it didn't matter what their sexuality were. They were incredibly conservative people. And because I had heard that and I was trying to do the right thing, like this is what I heard from somebody who's outward and the members of that community, um, made myself kind of look like an asshole. But even back then, (laughs) that was a progressive thing. And the idea that, that people should be married at all to the same sex or that they should have any rights. And I was like, they should have all of the rights, but like, I've just heard that they don't want to be married. Um, And so like, I haven't deleted it because if somebody comes across it, I want to be able to address it. Although if you are looking back that many years, um, then I have risen in rank someplace that I don't want to be, but it's, it's really important that we, that we own up to those things. And it doesn't mean that I was intending to be hurtful, um, Even now, I look back, and that's one of the cringiest things I can think of. And in the grand scheme of things, there were a whole lot more cringy things going on back then. But it doesn't matter whether it's on purpose or if it's by accident, it's really important that we understand that the way that we handle those missteps tells a lot about who we are. So I would rather be the person that apologizes and doesn't hide those mistakes and doesn't make excuses or double down and pretend that they don't exist, um, then be somebody who who just isn't trustworthy and can't, can't sit with their mistakes or can't sit with things. And, and I bring this up within this discussion, particularly because a lot of people that I talk to are really afraid of, well, what if I use my platform for this? And then later I found out, find out that that wasn't the right decision or, I say something, and I say something wrong, and then I have to deal with that. Um, it can totally be embarrassing, but it also doesn't have to be. Um, shame and guilt is is something that moves people forward um, as far as growth goes. Mm-hmm. But you can just be like, hey, I fucked up. I'm sorry. I'm I'm going to do better. And then actually do better. Don't just say oh yeah I fucked up and then continue to do the same thing because that's an entirely different thing and you deserve whatever comes from you that but no like we all we all make mistakes
1: sure and I mean some people are you know not as far along in their journey of having perspective or empathy with other people and being able to acknowledge those things and set that example makes it probably easier for those people to say okay maybe I can do that too maybe there are things that I can address or um, you know do better because at the end of the day that's really what it's about It's about encouraging and motivating people to improve their ideology.
0: I was talking with one of my friends a couple of weeks ago and we were out for um, my birthday and we were talking about glow ups and how um, well, she was talking about the differences between the people who we were in high school and the people who we are now and how the growth that has happened and the, the differences in our ideology and how much work it has, it has meant for us to be able to let those things go. And she specifically talked about how she wanted her parents to love her differently and love her more. And because of that, Um, she hooked on to some of their ideologies that were misogynistic and racist and just overall bigoted because she wanted their love and their Mm -hmm. attention. And those were conversations that she could be a part of and then get that feedback that she was looking for. And then she was talking about how, you know, COVID hit and she had to do some pretty intense thinking on her own and see what her village looked like and realized why she was parroting that that kind of thing and, and understood that, you know, immigrants and black and brown people and poor people weren't the reason why the world was like this. And it wasn't the reason why her life sucked or their life sucked or whatever. Um, and, and actually having to deal with that internally. And she, she tied that into how right now we're living the lives that our 14 year old selves would would die for and and for me I I wasn't necessarily but like I tied that to a glow up because I feel like a much better person and I feel better about myself and and I get more compliments on who I am as a person now than I did back then when I was hiding half of well more than half of my gonna actually be honest um I've been saying half of myself for so long just meaning you know I'm half black and half white that I forget the fact that I was like in the closet for Mm -hmm. 20 some (laughs) years of my life um and um and then I'm walking around with my ripped jeans and my black tank top and my sunset colored mohawk walking around with a fucking iced coffee (laughs) and chucks looking like what's her face from the L word. Like I, I was living the, the style of myself that I thought that I really, really wanted when I was younger. And and I think that in and of itself is the real glow up is, is understanding that this is who we used to be as people and this is the person who we've grown into. And as much as, as mainstream media likes to make it out to be like, oh, you went through your second puberty and you're hot now. Um, nobody cares what you look like on the outside if inside you're like a putrid bag of fungus.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, self-care is really important. And I think for queer people in particular, that, that idea that you, uh, stated about like living your 14 year old self, like whenever you're closeted specifically, and it's probably not as big of an issue for Gen Z as it was for, um, the millennial generation, but, uh, you don't really get the opportunity to explore your beliefs whenever you have to hide such a big part of yourself. And so I think it's important to explore that whenever you get the opportunity to, even if you are in your thirties and you're, you know, getting piercings and dyeing your hair, because for one, it's fun, but um, it's also just like a journey of self-discovery. And I think that helps to uh, ground you in your ethos and your understanding of yourself and what kind of person you are morally as well as aesthetically.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I try to bring up whenever I can, because I know that people of all ages um, come across my content. And I think that it's, it's really important to scream out every, every step that I can that even if it doesn't feel like it's okay now, once you get out of that situation, it can be okay. There's no timeline mm-hmm. or whatever you may miss out on having like your high school prom date be who you want it to be. And that hurts. And I can't imagine going through that. People like to say, Oh, well, like it's not that big of a deal. Cause it's prom. It's, it's not, it's not prom. It's the missed opportunity of being there with somebody who you care about and being able to experience that as your true self. But I also sit here as somebody in their thirties um, knowing that I've, had friends who have bought everything for like a photo shoot for like the 30s of of what we wanted prom to be and gone through with that I have um friends who have thrown their own proms in their late 20s early 30s and invited a whole bunch of people that they wanted to be there and this idea of well what if people feel some type of way about this or what if I get pushback isn't as strong when you are older uh-huh. because you you're you're on your own you're you're as well financially independent as you can be in the middle of the clusterfuck that is 2020s but you've got people in your life because you choose them to be in your life and you can do whatever the fuck you want most people's proms aren't actually held in a high school anyway. So there's nothing saying that you can't rent out your local community <laughs> center or your local event center and go get a pretty dress or a badass fucking tux and go have your prom surrounded by people that you like and who support you. Not a damn thing saying that you can't do that.
1: And you'll enjoy yourself too.
0: <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Um, and and because of the differences in, in our content and um, our reach is the real difference between us. And I don't think that it goes in the way that people expect that it would. Um, and I'm gonna tie this into a conversation we had not that long ago, but uh, when I put out the information for the Men for Choice, um, for the Men for Choice Zoom call. I had three hours notice. And because I have worked really hard to have the social network that I have, um, where it's full of people who are safe and it's full of people who respect me as a person. And if they don't, then they're not part of my network. Um, I'm from the age of Facebook really starting up. So I have a lot of people on there that I've collected specifically for networking purposes, which is what Facebook originally was for. And um, they were able to track that over a hundred of the people who showed up for those zoom calls were related to my original post. Oh, wow. Um, It was shared 23 times from me and um, and then we all tagged different people in the comments. And for the record, if you are going to do something like that, do not tag them up in the front, tag them in the comments, because you don't necessarily know whether or not the person who you're tagging has a safe network
1: uh-huh. and you
0: don't want to put them in danger. So if you tag them in your original post, then, um, then it shows up on their wall, which for right. some things is, is fine. Um, for stuff about rights for all, abortion access, Um, things that can put people in danger if they are not in a position to be independent. You can't do that. So tag them in the comments so they still see it. They can do whatever they want with it, and you're not putting them in any danger. Um, But from that came the texts to people who didn't have social media and the different people sharing and tagging and sending emails to their work friends who – were very much for um, freedom of choice and bodily autonomy. And from something that I had three hours notice for came a hundred people who were ready to do the work and ready to sit there and dedicate, um, you know, an hour. It ended up being like an hour and 15 minutes of their time because they believed in a cause. And that is a big number. It doesn't sound like a big number. I understand like a hundred people is not sound like a big number. There were way more than a hundred people there. But the In fact that all, adults... <laughs> <laughs> well, no, like <laughs> the people who follow the men for choice and the black voters, um, black male voters had more notice than that. I had three hours of notice mm-hmm. that it was right. happening. Um, but that, that's a big number. And mm-hmm. to be able to pull that kind of number is apparently unusual Because shortly after that, I got a text on Signal um, because I had been connected with some of the organizers of that particular event and brought on to kind of be a little node to push out information to parties who are interested in it. So that ended up being a, um, a couple social media campaigns. There was an... Um, what are they called? Installation, uh, pro-abortion uh, installation for
1: uh-huh.
0: um, colleges. There were actually even on the list some um, some religious uh, affiliated places who had brought it in of 60-some people talking about their abortion story. And there's like some digital pieces to the panels. And the only thing that anybody has to pay for is to ship it to the next place. Um, and to be able to fill those voids and push that out to people who could use it. And, and from there, it's gone to marketing departments at colleges, it's gone to community, um, community directors in, um, in two different countries and um, librarians, great assets. Uh, but my point is, I didn't do anything. I was not the target of that. Of that particular meaning i identify a lot of, as a lot of things but a man is not one of them and um and so to be able to to get that information in the hands of the people who could use it the way that it needed to be used and that is networking i don't have to do all the work you don't have to do all the work joe schmo next door doesn't have to do all the work you just have to know the people mm-hmm they don't have to like you but is that something that you with your almost a million followers could manage to get done
1: i mean absolutely um uh, i like that question because a lot of what i do on social media is you know entertainment and comedy and makeup and so um sometimes i feel like my platform is not useful in that way, but I think that's self-defeating and the wrong attitude to take because the people that I do network with on social media, particularly TikTok, are people who I, you know, want to align myself with morally. And so um, I think using that platform would be, at the end of the day, pretty simple to, convey whatever I need to convey. So I think that that question is actually a challenge for me to <clears throat> see what I can do to get that kind of information out there, because I follow a lot of really useful, um, tick um, that, you know, provide a lot of information that I am not always necessarily, um, accessing immediately. So it gives me that instant access where I can get information and, uh, I think reposting is also really important on TikTok. That is kind of a new feature that uh, people are kind of gravitating toward where you don't necessarily have to even create the content. You can just repost the content and share the content because it's important, because it's really easy. I mean, TikTok is making it easy in a lot of ways to um, you know, spread rhetoric that is positive. I mean, you can spread rhetoric that is harmful, of course, but there are lots of new ways where you can actually... Um, you know, share information and get it out to people. And I think that the community that I have on TikTok is pretty diverse as far as their perspectives, because um, I get a lot of hate, of course, and a lot of people commenting whenever I make those types of um, posts that are a little more um, pointed or a little more political, if you want to call them that. And so I think it's important for people to see that, even if they don't align with your views at the same time, because having that big of a following i think is for one it's a little bit of a mindfuck but for another it's it's really getting to see how people are connected with one another i don't know if that makes sense but um you, you really get to see like who's following who and who's absorbing what and who can benefit from you know new information
0: and that, y'all, is how you bring somebody to the table.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I definitely have, like, I'm, I'm sitting in front of, of my notebook where I have the breakdown of how I want this to go. And there's something, like, it branches off into, okay, like, let's move on to the next subject. And, um, which sometimes means I leech off Jordan's network.
1: nothing wrong with that
0: (laughs) Um, no but see it's that simple and I apologize for using you as a social experiment but I think that it's really important to do some of these things in real time Mm -hmm. Uh, it doesn't have to be this big to do it doesn't have to be this like random um, social media post it doesn't have to be this random text message to somebody who you haven't talked to in forever if you want to see where your friends stand um, sit down and work it into a conversation and networking in and of itself can be manipulative and because Jordan and I um, run in similar circles uh, not all of it not all of our interactions are based on our friendship a lot of the conversations that we have on here are friendship based but there's also a lot of like low-key professional stuff that will push off of each other um, behind the scenes as well. So if you have somebody in your life who you want them to utilize their network or you want them to, to, to poke in the waters of being slightly more radicalized, that's a thing you can do. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> I, and I think, I think you saying manipulative, like people have such a negative connotation for that, but I feel like it's positive manipulation and like whenever you can encourage someone to do something. In a way that almost like sets them up for that self-discovery without pushing them to like nobody wants to be proselytized to or talked down to but if you can sneak it in like you're golden you're golden (laughs)
0: it comes down to manipulating a situation versus manipulating a person
1: yeah yeah absolutely
0: Um, if I find out that you're manipulating, manipulating me as a person, like that's it. I never want to speak to you again, but you can manipulate a situation in order to, um, have things come up in a way that they may not otherwise. So, um, another way that I have written down to get you to this point was, uh, asking you if our following is more like like which plant our following is like, and I was going to follow up and be like, okay, like yours is like a really tall tree because the taller that they get, the shorter their branches can be. So you, I talked about nodes in the past of like me being a node and having all of these. And then those people then become the main node and then go out to wherever Um, where yours goes straight up because you have so many more followers um, than I do and so much more influence. But then the, the, the limbs themselves get shorter. It doesn't mm-hmm. go as far past them. And me, I'm kind of like Ivy or like a moss, And Ivy in the sense of like I grow and I leech off other people's um, other people's height. Um, but or moss or carrots or something where it comes from places that you're not expecting it. People's aren't necessarily connected. Sometimes you're, it's, it's always a surprise. I never know whether I'm going to pull a huge fucking carrot or like one that just has like a really big base where it connects to the top of it. Um, and like, there was like this whole bit of mental gymnastics, but I'm really glad I didn't have to use that.
1: Um. <laughs> I mean, it's a matter of like, taking as many opportunities as you can I think
0: it is and and trying to do it in a way that you can back out of if things become not that great so mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot that I think I can't sit down and and talk to you about or or whatever that you would be like okay like that's the end of our friendship I can't think of anything I'm sure it exists I'm sure it exists in and vice versa as well um but if that's something that you're concerned about, I just, I just showed you how you can make that happen. I could have walked my way back from that conversation.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, but you, but you know what you're doing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's the trauma.
1: It's the trauma. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but but seriously though, when I say or when um, Black Indigenous and other people of color, especially say. Um, that we have community in a sense that white people don't necessarily have. This is what I mean. This is what people mean by that. They don't mean that you can go and say like somebody treated your girlfriend with disrespect and a whole bunch of people are gonna show up with baseball bats because they're angry and aggressive um, and like to be violent. It's not, it's not us talking about, okay, well, I have somebody to watch my kid when they're sick. A community takes more than people with baseball bats uh-huh. and babysitters. And there's not one community in the whole world where everybody really likes each other, unless they're like self-made communities. Um, you don't have to like the people within your communities, but you do have to have all sorts of people and talents and callings in order to achieve that level of community. So you working at a university have a much better chance of of discovering all of those people in one place than I do as somebody who just lives in a town of like 50,000 people but I don't know many of them I know like 20 of them
1: Mm -hmm.
0: but do you want all of those people in your community probably not
1: gotta be selective somehow
0: you have to be selective, you have to, you have to really go outside of your comfort zone. And that's where it comes in of knowing people who know people who know people. It's the same as if in, in my town, Um, I've talked about on Simply More, some of the stuff that's going on with my mom just as like an announcement thing. And to understand that I, I got some news recently. And by the end of that day, I already had somebody who was going to mow her lawn and help her take out the trash. Not that she can't take the trash out by herself, but we got new like trash cans and they're almost as big as I am. And I'm five, four. And my mom is four, nine. So if there's anything in that trash can, like she can't move it. And it wouldn't matter um, what her health was like. It's just not an accessible trash can. Uh Um, People who can go in and check on her drive by her house and make sure she hasn't fallen outside. Um, check in with me, help her make sure that she's still able to do the things that she wants to do, get some progress done on the yard and the house because she hasn't been there to take care of it for the last decade and a half, and really get her set up with a support system that can keep her safe and make sure that her basic needs are met until I am in a position where I can do more. Because right now, um, I have a brand new baby. My husband uh, just got back from a week in Wisconsin for work. I, I don't have the ability to give her the support that she needs right now, but I can find it for her. And it took me three hours and four other people.
1: I remember when you sent me that text message and I was just like, what? How many weeks have you been spending on this? So to hear that it was only a few hours is, I mean, not that you, I think you're incapable of doing it, but I mean, that's really astounding. And I mean, it has to do with the fact that you are such a strong networker and you have those people who you can reach out to.
0: Yeah. Um, But people don't think about those types of things as being networking. So everybody likes to say, I'm not good at networking. I don't know how to start this. I don't know how to begin, begin where you're at and work from there. Mm -hmm. It's, it doesn't have to be hard classes. I'm sure help. I don't know. I've never taken them. I've just been involved in a whole bunch of things where networking was really important and you were just thrown in and you either hit it out of the ballpark or you sank. And that was a lot of what my college experience was. There's a lot of things I will talk shit about Cedar Crest for, but they're focused on the importance of networking and putting us in situations where we didn't know people um, in order to sink or swim, which is the part I have a problem with. Um, I benefited from that. It is definitely not not neurodivergent friendly which means it's not an accessible practice Um, certain kinds of neurodivergent friendly Um, but it it did give me give me the connections I need coming from a small town that I talk shit about all the time um, where everybody kind of relies on different parts of their community has been helpful so please don't think that everybody needs to have almost a million followers in order to make progress the things that I have made happen as like a little tiny influencer both in my personal and in my professional life um, are things that I can't pretend aren't important and don't make a difference and for people who don't have a network or a platform like we do um, one person agreeing to help you means that you have a network and you're one step closer to building the community that you need in order to get things done
1: yeah. And that number is just going to you know, proliferate. It's not, it's not linear. It's, it's going to be um, exponential really if you, if you do it right.
0: It is. So on that note, we both have things to do and my coffee <laughs> is gone. So I will let you get back to your gardening and I'm going to get back to my tiny tot. So for everybody out there, I hope you have a safe summer and I will see you next time.
1: Bye-bye.